0: Welcome to PD Insider, the podcast edition. In each episode, we bring you conversations with experts in the law firm professional development community so that you can stay current on industry trends, topics, and innovations. In this episode, PLI's Craig Miller speaks with Dr. Sharon Meet Abrahams of Legal Talent Advisors LLC, who discusses best strategies for supporting and coaching underperforming partners. Using her extensive industry experience, she explores the complex ways of measuring partner performance and offers candid and actionable advice based on her own success with coaching at a wide range of top law firms. Welcome. We're pleased to see you.
1: I'm so happy to be here Zooming with you today.
0: Yes, we are living in a Zoom world today. Our subject, though, doesn't sound like an easy subject, dealing with partner underperformance. Uh, Would you agree, though, that it's an important one?
1: It's a very important topic. It's one that law firm leaders tend to stick their head in the sand. They don't want to address it. We know that lawyers don't like conflict unless it's for a client, and we need to get them to address this, and we need to help them address it.
0: So tell me more. Why is improving partner performance so important?
1: Well, it's pretty obvious that financially, when an underperforming partner is part of a firm, it's going to hurt their bottom line. They get paid the big bucks, but they're not bringing in the big bucks. So that's pretty easy to draw that correlation. The real issue is the intangible things. For example, firms can lose good partners, younger partners, because a more senior underperforming partner sort of blocks their movement upward, doesn't allow them to take over client relationships, things of that nature but the most important thing is the law firm leader's reputation. If I'm a law firm leader and I don't deal with an underperformer, how are my colleagues going to respect me as a leader? So it's very important that we address this issue for all these different reasons, not just the financial one.
0: Is it typical that rehabilitating an underperforming partner is part of the role of the PD?
1: Well, it's very interesting. Law firms tend to just deal with it by de-equitizing or taking compensation away, which is just punitive. That doesn't change behavior. And who is the best person in a law firm to change behavior? But the PD person. That's the one who can actually work one-on-one with the attorneys and get them to improve whatever it is they're doing, make themselves more productive. It's the PD role for sure.
0: Well, that's interesting. Uh so it's, it's a critical piece of, of what they do and their contribution to the firm. Uh, but how do you define underperformance and, uh, and what does that term imply? Well, it's
1: unique to every firm because every firm has its own expectations. But I use the word expectations. Do the lawyers even know what is expected of them? A lot of law firms have urban myths, what it means to be a partner. I think the first place is for the PD person to decide Are any of these expectations written down? And can we measure them? And are we holding everybody accountable to the same expectations? Sometimes we're not. You might be in a leadership role, so you have less expectations of billable hours. Or you might be a service attorney, so you have more expectation of billable hour and less expectation of civic duty. It's really hard to understand what is underperforming if we don't start with the expectations that the firm has.
0: So so writing it down to communicate it and uh, setting the clear measurable uh, metrics and coming to agreement on that and then following up and accountability would be the, uh, the keys. Um, but there are different reasons a partner becomes underperforming. Uh, are there useful ways to categorize what's happening and meaningful ways to uh, approach it?
1: Absolutely. I have been doing this type of work for about 30 years. And over the years, I've developed my own categorization. So it's not based on any science, I have to put that out there. It's based just on my actual experience. So the three categories, and then I'll go back through them, is situational practice and age-related. So a situational underperformance is really based on something that is a, could be a one-time incident. A major client was lost by the attorney. A pandemic hits. These are things that in this situation has caused a partner to underperform. So, a perfect example would be um, an industry change. And we're having some industry change now. Some practice areas are moving, uh, like bankruptcy and labor and employment, and others are are going down. So, how would you deal with that? Well, the PD person would work one on one with the individual and find out what is going on um, in their. In their practice, so a story I like to tell is a is a real estate attorney uh, back in the 1990s when the real estate tanked. She didn't know what to do with herself, so as a PD person, I went in, helped her find out what her skills were, and then she realized that she could align herself in the energy practice. So she became an energy attorney. So she took a situation where the economy changed, and she reinvented herself. Um, to become an energy attorney, the second one is a practice area, uh, practice issue—not a practice area. Excuse me, it's the practice issue. And so, we know, and all the PD people out there know that sometimes people get promoted into partnership roles that probably shouldn't have been partners. So, right there is a ability to practice law issue. Maybe they don't want to take the time to invest in their own business development. So that would be a practice issue. So. If an attorney has a practice issue, then the PD person needs to work with them to find out what those issues are and help turn that around. So a great little story is this gentleman named David, he's a litigator, and he'd been with the firm for 25 years and he was underperforming. So I sat and chatted with him. Well, he was not really underperforming, he was bored. And so when he was able to talk about the type of work he wanted to do, and we went back to the firm and said, this is the area he's interested in. The firm agreed, and he became productive because he was doing what he wanted to do. So that's a, that's a practice example. And then the last example is the age-related issues. So I don't want to get crosswise with anybody saying that this is age discrimination. That's not what I'm talking about here. Let's just talk about ego and transitioning work. Remember I said before one of the issues of lose, is losing young partners because they don't see their movement up? Well, when an older attorney has is, is got a chokehold on clients, then the younger partners can't get into those clients and help grow the clients and develop those clients because it is somebody who's holding on to their ego, to their, their status that they have because they have these clients. They're probably not doing a lot of work with those clients. And so they could let go of that. And again, the PD person can work with them and help them come to the realization what's best for them and what's best for the firm.
0: That's all interesting stuff. You mentioned the impact of the pandemic. And uh, as you and others have pointed out, about uh, half of the partners in uh, U.S. law firms are uh, over the age of 55. And uh, if the pandemic uh, is going to force certain types of uh, changes and transitions, uh, what, what do you think that might mean to the, uh, the retirement of this cohort of attorneys that are, that are over, uh, over that age at this point?
1: it's an opportunity for them to do that. I believe it's never worth getting rid of a person who's dedicated to the firm and has experienced um, their growth and development here. If you help turn somebody around who's struggling now because maybe working remotely um, distracts them too much or they don't have the tools or technology can be an issue with our um, age-related underperformers, if we can turn them around, they'll be dedicated and really even more loyal to the firm. So I think this pandemic is going to stir the pot a little bit, but give firms an opportunity to make good um, and, and really help some people uh, get back on track.
0: That's interesting. Um, what what if, if you or someone as the PD professional are asked to coach another partner to work with the underperforming partner? How would, what does that process look like?
1: So – And that's a very good point because I believe that the PD person is the right person to actually uh, do the intervention, let's call it, you know, and to work with the individual. Because when you ask a, a practice group leader or department head or unit leader, whatever a firm calls it, to do this conversation, to have this conversation, The PD person really needs to take the time to train that person how to have this uncomfortable conversation. And so the PD person really needs to talk to that person as a coach to that person and coach them through what they need. And the number one thing on that is to be a good listener, to go in there saying, you're not producing and you're not doing what you need to do and all that is just going to make that partner say, whoa, whoa, I'm being attacked. What's going on here? So the PD person needs to train them to be a good listener, to ask the right questions. Lawyers know how to ask questions of their clients, but this is a different type of questions. The key is is the PD person wants to teach the partner to help the underperformer own their underperformance and help them solve the underperformance together. And I think a lot of partners just don't have the patience to do that. They want to go in and tell the partner how to solve problems, just the way they go in and tell clients how to solve problems, and they're very good at that. This is where I think the PD role is so important, because they can help with that. And I have to share with you, I think the number one issue is the emotional part of all of this, and PD people are Switzerland. They're not hiring. They're not firing. They can't affect compensation, but a partner can, and so the emotional aspect of partner to partner is um, could could heighten the frustration and uh, the irritation. So the PD person needs to help the partner deal with the emotional aspect.
0: So, so that's a key piece. So the co- to coach the coach uh, to know how to take emotion out of the equation as much as possible, and uh, and to really understand how to listen and draw out the subject uh, rather than be. Uh, sort of uh, directive in terms of how to proceed from there. Uh, Okay. But the PD itself you're saying is probably better positioned to have those conversations than having somebody else come in as the direct contact.
1: You know, I think that if the firm doesn't feel comfortable with just the PD person doing it, and I think it depends on who that individual is, how long they've been with the firm, the relationships that have been established, you know, all of that would uh, go to whether or not they'd ask the PD person to do it. Maybe the PD person and the partner can do it together so that the PD person can help steer the conversation.
0: And I think you're correct. The corporate analogy would be to have the HR head uh, or the HR business partner in the room uh, during a conversation like that, which, you know, it can be a difficult conversation. Uh, and I think that that's probably escalated in the law firm situation because a partner in a sense is an owner and, uh, and therefore uh, it's more difficult for somebody who is in a PD role to speak to an owner of the enterprise in uh, effect, their employer.
1: Let me share with you um, a thought about the information. You had asked me about expectations at the very beginning. And so here's this conversation between two partners, and one partner is saying you're not living up to expectations, and the underperformer said, well, so-and-so down the hall has the same billable hours that I have, or they are the same with some other criteria, something like that, The, the coaching that that partner has to have to be able to address that, the professional development person can help them with that because the PD person can do the research and gather the data how many people in the firm are actually meeting those expectations, whatever the expectation is that we're holding this other person accountable to not be meeting because that's, you know, lawyers are good. They're going to come back with all of the reasons why everything you're saying is not right. Right. Um, They're going to turn, they're going to turn the table. So I think the PD person can help the person delivering the message why you might be different than the person down the hall. Yes, you maybe build the same hours, but the person down the hall mentors or does training or does business development and you don't. I'm not going to say it that way, but I think that's an important piece of this puzzle is having all the ducks in a row before you actually have the conversation.
0: So they... They can make a big contribution, regardless of whether they're the ones who are directly addressing the the partner or, uh, or working through the other partner as the intermediary. Yes. Uh, let me ask you this: is is there a point at which a firm must decide how much help is too much of an investment for the firm, and 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 then how do you how do you recognize if you're coming to that point?
1: Well, you know, I think. I think the PD person or the partner who's gonna to talk to underperformer has to go to firm leadership and say, how much investment are we willing to make with this individual? It could be a financial investment because they've hired maybe an outside coach or they've sent that person to training. Maybe it's a reinvention story. And so nobody's going to uh, seminars uh, like they used to right now. Everything is online, like we're doing this online. But you know, if I wanna reinvent myself, um, to become a bankruptcy attorney now because I'm a litigator, you know, is the firm going to invest in that underperformer? So so the financial aspect of it uh, is important. The time aspect, how long are we going to let this person underperform before it really hurts the bottom line? And I think that goes to maybe the size of the firm, size of the practice area. Smaller firms can't tolerate it as much as larger firms. It just, the person kind of gets floated and they kind of, get hidden you know, uh, in the weeds there. But then it comes down to the consequences. You know, has that been communicated to the individual? If you don't make these changes that we're asking you to make, did you give consequences? A 60-day, 90-day, two-year, one-year limitation, and then will the firm hold them to that? Back to the HR analogy, HR uh, individuals do PIPs, uh, performance improvement plans, And I'm not saying that a firm needs to do that for a partner, but maybe if this conversation that we're talking about that should happen isn't enough, if coaching isn't enough, maybe you need to move to that level. And that would start documentation towards moving somebody out of the firm. And that's not easy because a partner is a partner is a partner or a shareholder, depending on what you call them.
0: It, it's clear that this is it's 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 a lot more difficult to manage a partner's underperformance than it would be to manage an associate's or somebody else in on a staff role within an organization like a like a law firm. Uh, so, uh, what are the key takeaways for our PD audience uh, in successfully coaching partners uh, to hopefully improve their performance uh, in the end?
1: I think the the number one takeaway is before a PD person gets involved in any of this. Um, they need to understand what the firm really wants to accomplish because sometimes the underperformer is looking for a way out and this may give them the excuse they didn't want to just quit they didn't want to say they want to retire and they want a little push out the door so the PD person needs to understand what's the firm willing to do with this person what investment level are they willing to give I think that's number one and then the second one is the listening to the partner and helping the partner, whether you're helping the individual partner themselves or the person that you're coaching, helping them be a better listener and asking the hard questions so that the difficult conversation gets a little easier. So this is a very uncomfortable thing for them to do. And then the last one is in the PD role, I think we are able to actually give guidance and advice To underperformers differently than a partner would. We come at it from that emotional intelligence point of view. We might have resources like, let's get you in touch with a business development person and work on your business development skills. We just tend to want to be the person who helps people reach their potential. And if somebody's slipping, we want to help them get back on track.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's great advice. It, it strikes me how often in coaching situations like this, it really does come down to the skill of listening on the part of the coach. Uh, you're, you're learning more when you're not speaking than when you are, and uh, being able to understand the situation that that person is in. Obviously, a valuable person who's been, you know, achieved a level of partnership at a law firm uh, and trying to make sure that we're able to uh, realize whatever value uh, is, is 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 there. Uh, to continue to serve the firm. Uh, and if it's not, then to be able to move appropriately uh, in, in that direction as well. So that's that, that, that's great and very useful and actionable stuff for our audience. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Sharon Meet Abrahams for sharing her insights. We look forward to you joining us for another edition of PLI's PD Insider. This is Craig Miller of the Practicing Law Institute. Thank you and be well. Thank you.